Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR Welcome icon in, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Street is on the phone. The Outdoor Sports Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook. It is Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. And when I tell you we have a loaded episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast, oh my goodness gracious, do we have a loaded episode. We're going to start. Auburn, Brian Harson is officially out. How about your boy Torres? I said on Monday's show, I said after they fire, after they announced the AD hire, expect Brian Harson gone within 24 hours. It didn't take 24 minutes for Brian Harson to be out. We discuss what it went wrong with Auburn, but then more importantly, what is next? We talk about the candidates, Lane Kiffin. Dion, uh, Hugh Freeze, on and on and on and on and on. From there, we will talk a little bit about Michigan, Michigan State. Many of you did reach out to me and say, Torres, look, I love you, buddy, but you can't just duck the biggest story of the weekend. So I get into the Michigan, Michigan State stuff, and there is something interesting that happened on Monday as one of the Michigan players hired one of the most prominent lawyers in sports I'd be very concerned if I was a Michigan State player. Very concerned. We'll discuss that. Finally, we'll wrap on some college hoops. We are a week away from college hoops, and what I got for you is this, okay? We're going to go through some of the results of the weekend in exhibitions. Louisville, they lost to a D2 team. Tennessee, smacked Gonzaga. What does that mean for those two teams? The Arkansas Razorbacks got smacked by the Texas Longhorns. We'll discuss that. Kentucky, injuries galore. What do we do with them? And the one team that I love more than anybody. By the way, speaking really quickly of college hoops, before we get to the main part of today's show, we do have a new college basketball show on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast media feed. Not the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. The Aaron Torres media feed. It's called the College Hoops Daily. Zach Kroll, who works with me at Aaron Torres Media, is hosting. I've gone on two shows. The second show dropped on Tuesday morning. And I do encourage you guys to check it out. Zach is young. He's sharp. He's bright. He's bright. Loves college hoops. This is going to be a must-stop place for all college hoops coverage. Zach is awesome. Really good at what he does. I will be joining regularly. Second episode dropped on on Tuesday morning. We'll do a couple more. Then Zach is on his own. I'm sending him off on his own once the season starts. The College Hoops Daily with Zach Kroll. Available on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. This is going to be a must-listen. 
for college hoops fans. But with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, um, you know, today's one of those days. You don't need me to beat around the bush. You don't need me to, to, to dance around it. And what are we going to talk about? And what could we possibly discuss here on a Tuesday Aaron Torres pod? Well, we know exactly what we're talking about as Brian Harson, the head coach at Auburn, has been fired. And it's kind of crazy, right? We talked about it on Monday's show, the idea that Auburn was closing in on an AD. And I think I said at the time, I said, once the AD is in place, give it about 24 to 48 hours, and I would expect Brian Harson to be gone. Instead, uh, it happens literally like 10 minutes after uh, the AD is officially announced. John Cohen comes from Mississippi State. And as soon as that news gets out, we get a press release that Brian Harson has been fired at Auburn. And so, listen, give me about a couple minutes just to talk Brian Harson, and then we will obviously get to some candidates because I think this is a fascinating job, especially in the NIL era. Um, but with Brian Harson, look, two things can be true, and I think there's actually a lot more than, a, than two things when it comes to Brian Harson. One, I never wish ill will upon anybody. I hope all these guys are good. If Auburn's good, it's good for me. If Alabama's good, if LSU's good, if Notre Dame's good, if Ohio State's good, if Michigan's good, if USC is good, the more premier programs that are good, it is good for this show and what I do. At the same time, when he was hired, I said it on this show and I said it anywhere people would have me to talk about it. I said, this is absolutely crazy. I don't like the fit at all. It doesn't make sense to me. And the reason why, it was really twofold. It was pretty straightforward. It was one, you know, this was a guy that essentially had zero experience coaching in the SEC. And I know it's not a be-all, end-all. I know that Nick Saban hadn't coached in SEC territory before he got to LSU. Now he's the greatest coach ever, thanks to his time at LSU in Alabama. I know that Urban Meyer hadn't spent time in the SEC uh, before he got to Florida. But what do they say? There's an exception to every rule. And the exception makes the rule. So you can think about Nick Saban and Urban Meyer as two of the greatest coaches ever. Those guys would have been successful everywhere. And so Brian Harson came from Boise State, had spent virtually his entire career at Boise State or in the, the Pacific Northwest, had spent one year in SEC territory coaching at Arkansas State. And I just never thought the fit made sense. I understand sometimes the SEC hyperbole is a little bit much. But I do believe until you've been in that meat grinder, until you've been in that fire every single week, until you you know what it takes to coach at this level, to prepare at this level, to put together a staff at this level, to game plan at this level, to recruit at this level, that there are no off weeks, I don't think you can prepare for that. And I don't think it's something in this modern era of college football that you can just learn on the fly. And so I never bought that this guy was going to work. I would add, and this is not me dancing on his grave here, but you look at his time at Boise, he was good, but he took over one of the premier programs in college football from Chris Peterson, and they were always good, but they never got back to the level that they were at. And so it's one thing if you're coming off, you know, 12 and 1, 13 and 0, 12 and 1, 12 and 1, 13 and 0, 11 and 2 seasons, but really, he had two really good seasons. One was in his first season when he took over. They immediately bounced back to nine and four. And then they're about a 10 and three team, which isn't bad. But at Boise, we know the ceiling is higher. So he leaves. And when he gets hired, I'm told 
This is the guy that Auburn needs. This is the guy that, uh, you know, he's going to bring toughness to us and accountability to us and physicality to us. And it just never happened. And so I didn't think this guy was going to work, but I'll also be perfectly honest. I did not think that it would go as bad as it did. And this is, again, part of where I said a minute ago, you have to be able to talk about this in more than one way. And you have to be able to kind of compartmentalize and contextualize more than one thing when we look back on the Brian Harson era. And what I think about with Brian Harson is this. I do not, I, I did not like the hire to begin with. At the same time, I did not like how he was treated by some parts of the Auburn uh, fan base last offseason when they tried to force him out over the course of, of the offseason. But what I would also say is that there was reason that certain fans wanted him out then, and there are certainly plenty of reasons that have come up since that prove that he was just never going to be the right guy. First of all, there's the win-loss record. And part of what was frustrating going into last offseason, Auburn completely fell apart in the second half of the year. As the year went on and the schedule got tougher, this guy melted. If you remember, they lost five straight games to end the regular season. Ironically, one of them to, uh, to, to, to Mississippi State, who, of course, their AD is now coming to Auburn. But also, they lost to a South Carolina team that if you're Auburn, you should never lose to. You go to a bowl game, you play a bowl game at like 11 a.m. Central time locally, you get embarrassed by Houston in a game that you should never lose. And so you have the losses on the field. You have on top of that, you have uh, the chaos of last offseason where I think it's easy to, to just blame this all on, on Auburn fans and say, well, you know, they never gave him a chance. It's like, well, on the flip side, he lost five straight games to end last regular season. He had 20-plus players enter the transfer portal. His defensive coordinator, Derek Mason, left for Oklahoma State. His offensive coordinator left. He hired another offensive coordinator who then left a few weeks later. And so, again, it was total chaos. I did not like how he was treated this offseason. And I'll give, I'll give, I guess, everybody credit. He got the chance to come back this year and prove he was the guy, and he just didn't. He just didn't. And, and you know, this to me in many ways, it kind of reminds me of what Scott, what happened with Scott Frost in Nebraska in this sense. And I know Scott Frost got five years or six years or whatever it ended up being. But when Scott Frost got the extension last year, I was kind of one of those guys that sat there and said, I don't know if he's the guy, but I like that you're giving him the benefit of the doubt. A lot of close games give him one more year. And then Scott Frost came back, and then they lost in week one, or week zero, actually, to Northwestern. And I said, this isn't changing. Get this guy out. Well, same with Auburn. I was happy that Brian Harson got another chance. I don't know if that makes me cool, uncool, this, that, whatever. I was happy that Brian Harson got another chance, but it was very clear very early that it just wasn't going to work. Struggle against San Jose State in week two. You get embarrassed by Penn State in week three. You barely beat Missouri. And Auburn has not won since September 24th in overtime against Missouri. Their wins this year, Mercer out of the FCS, San Jose State by eight and three against, against Missouri by three in overtime. And so you start watching this team. The losses start to get worse. 21-17 to LSU, 42-10 to to Georgia. Okay, that's excusable. 48-34. to to Ole Miss, and then losing 41-27 to this week at Arkansas. It was clear. It was time to move on. If you listen to this show, we talked about some of Brian Harson's press conferences. 
And it was clear. I don't think he wanted to be there anymore. And so I know it's a weird day. I'm not dancing on his grave, but this guy clearly was not the guy. With that said, let's get to a very quick early look at some of the guys and girls that could potentially be candidates for this job. And by the way, I don't think there's any females. We'll see TBA, but let's look at some of the candidates that I do think are realistic for this job. And these are people that, frankly, we've talked about quite a bit on this show. The first candidate, I I think I was the first one nationally to discuss this. I think I talked about it right after the Penn State game. That candidate, the guy that I think should be number one, priority number one, is Deion Sanders. And I've talked about Deion quite a bit on this show, but I do think it's worth reiterating. Deion is not just a really famous guy who coaches college football. No, he is a guy who has turned into a very good college football coach. So he started during the COVID year. If you remember, FCS actually played in the spring. Last year goes 11-2. and One of the losses, by the way, was to an FBS team. So against like-minded competition with same scholarship numbers, same scholarship counts, all that, Jackson State went 11-1. and This year, they are currently sitting at 8-0 and as we speak. College game day just came to campus. College game day came to campus for Dion, yes. But if Jackson was two and six, two and five coming into this game, college game day is not coming to Jackson State. They came because of Dion, but they came because he has turned into a really good college football coach. More importantly, you know what he's already done that Brian Harson never proved the ability to do? Recruit at a level of getting the players that you need to win in the SEC. Now, he doesn't have a roster across the board of five star players. But Travis Hunter, that kid that was committed to Florida State, number one high school player in America, could have gone anywhere. Could have gone to Alabama, could have gone to Georgia, could have gone to Florida, could have gone to Florida State, obviously. And he chose to go play for Dion at Jackson State. And so I bring it up because it's not just that he's famous. He is doing something that Brian Harson literally proved that never proved that he could do, which is beat Nick Saban and Kirby Smart for recruits that they want. I should mention, by the way, and I've talked about this before. People got so caught up in the Travis Hunter stuff. Remember, there was a second recruit named Kevin Coleman, high four-star, who was actually higher ranked than anybody that Brian Harson signed during his two-and-a-half recruiting cycles or whatever it was, recruiting cycles at Auburn. So Dion is a winner. Dion is a recruiter. And I'm just telling you two things. One, the branding that he would bring to Auburn is insane. Auburn becomes the story. Auburn becomes the biggest topic in college football. Maybe not the biggest, but you get the point. They're up there with Alabama and LSU and Georgia and this and that. The guy can coach. The guy can motivate. The guy can win. And he's obviously got the natural sales pitch, right? He's obviously got the natural sales pitch from the perspective, I can get you to the NFL. Come here. Be three and done. We have everything that we need. For you to be successful, I think Dion would be a home run at Auburn. I know Auburn fans, for some reason, aren't totally sold on him. But I'm just saying, I do think there is the possibility that Dion would come and Dion would be very, very, very good at Auburn. On top of that, as we move down the candidates list, I think the next guy, another guy that we've talked about, is Lane Kiffin. Now, I don't know if Lane Kiffin actually wants this job, but there has been enough buzz through the years and through the last couple weeks that makes me seem like he'd be kind of interested in talking. Now, Ole Miss is seven and one. 
Ole Miss is having a ton of success. They just beat Texas A&M. He punked, uh, you know, uh, Jimbo Fisher at the podium. But at the same time, one, Auburn has stolen a head coach from Ole Miss before. And two, I do think there is an interesting little twist that we do need to talk about, which I've talked about on this show before. It's three magic letters called NIL. Think about it from this perspective. Who has been the number one most outspoken coach about NIL and where the sport is going? I think you could argue even more than Nick Saban. It's been Lane Kiffin. Remember, Lane, before Nick Saban made it cool to crush Jimbo Fisher, Lane Kiffin was the guy out there talking about their payroll, talking about the highest bidder. Remember, they lost their defensive coordinator, DJ Durkin, to Texas A&M. What did Lane Kiffin say in the press conference last week? He said, oh, yeah, we lost we lost DJ Durkin in a bidding war to Texas A&M. He's not the only one, implying that they lost recruits, they've lost this, they've lost that. So why do I bring it up? It is because Auburn is very active in the NIL space. I saw Ross Dellinger bring up the idea of, you know, that part of the reason John Cohen is leaving Mississippi State for Auburn is because Auburn's raised some real funds in terms of NIL. $13 million was the number that Ross Dellinger put out. Um, And you have $13 million in NIL money to mess around with. You can win at the highest level. You can compete at the highest level. You can get the best transfers you want, the best five-star recruits that you want. And why this is important is because of this. I don't think in a pre-NIL world, Lane Kiffin, 8-1 and one at Ole Miss, top 15, he leaves. But here's the one thing that I have found out about, the thing I've learned about coaches through the years since I've started doing this, okay? What I've learned is coaches love where they're at until they don't feel like they have every resource available to them to compete at the highest level, Okay. I go back to 10 years ago, it was facilities. 10 years ago, it was nutrition. 10 years ago, it was a juice bar. 10 years ago, it was whatever. Assistant coaching pool, assistant coaching salaries. Well, now it's NIL. And I do believe if that becomes your sales pitch, Lane Kiffin, you want to win at the highest level. We've seen what you can do at Ole Miss, but we know there's a ceiling there because the NIL space, you're not going to be able to keep up. Well, Auburn can, and Auburn is destined to, and to me, That is why I think Lane Kiffin at least listens. He's making a lot of money. He's winning a lot of games. But I don't think you can look past the the idea of Lane Kiffin at least considering the job. Let's keep it going. Third candidate, I think this is the third obvious one. Um, And then after that, you start to get into a little bit of a gray area. It's Hugh Freeze. And so we have to clarify one thing with Hugh Freeze because on Friday it was announced that he signed a contract extension at Liberty that's going to pay him $5 million a year. Talked about this on Monday's show. I do not believe that that contract will be prohibitive from uh, uh, Hugh Freeze leaving Liberty. And what do I mean by that? What I have read and what I was told, and I saw Chris Vanini from The Athletic was the first person to report this. He said that, Yes, there is a buyout to this new contract, but if an SEC school, and I I don't know Chris, but I guess he was hinting probably at Auburn, that buyout is not going to be prohibitive for an SEC school. So I don't know if it's $2 million, $5 million, $8 million, whatever, but it's not money that if a school really wants Hugh Freeze, that it's going to keep them from getting Hugh Freeze as their head coach. And so I bring it up because I'm just saying, He's, he's making a lot of money, but you can get him out of that contract. Now, the important part with Hugh Freeze, the resume speaks for itself, but the important part with Hugh Freeze, I just told you he's making $5 million a year. 
So he's not coming for five and a half. He's not coming for six. I mean, you want Hugh Freeze, you're probably going to have to give him uh, maybe not quite the Saban Kirby 11 plus million dollar a year money, but you are going to have to give him realistically. I mean, I don't have a number in my head, but seven, seven and a half, eight million, I would think is the starting point. So Hugh Freeze, don't let that extension fool you. He will still very much be a candidate, but I would also say this. If you can get him, I'll tell you, outside of Kiffin, there's only one guy out there that has proven that he can win at an insanely high level at Ole Miss. And I know stuff happened in his personal life. I don't think anybody cares about that anymore, including Auburn fans, by the way. I don't think Auburn fans care. I don't think they care at all. As a matter of fact, I think all that they care about is, if my memory serves me correct, there are only currently three head coaches in college football with more than one win over Nick Saban. Dabo Sweeney, really good. Gus Malzahn competed against Saban every single year for close to a decade. And Hugh Freeze is the other one. And Hugh Freeze, you bring him to Auburn now. Think about it. This guy's won everywhere that he's gone, okay? This guy won at Lambeth, a D something, an NAIA school. He won 12 games in year two. 10 wins at Arkansas State in year two. Ole Miss, he has them in back-to-back New Year's Six Bowls. Liberty, 7-1 and one going to Arkansas this year in the top 25. And so to me, you start to talk about candidates, who's realistic, who isn't. I think Hugh Freeze is probably the most realistic that I think you could, like, like Dion. I don't know if he cares about being in the SEC. Now, he did say, he did say that, on 60 minutes that he is willing to consider leaving. If the job is right, he'd at least be willing to listen Lane Kiffin. I don't know if he's willing to leave for another sec job. Hugh freeze is one that I do think you can get, but like I said, you can't be coming at him with four and a half, five million million a year. That's already what he's making at Liberty really quick. A couple other ones. You know, I think Matt rule is at least worth making a phone call to now. I'll be blunt. This is the former Carolina Panthers coach. He feels more Midwest Northeast to me than he does SEC. But, I mean, he won 11 games at Baylor in year three, and he's a program builder. And, again, in the NIL space, I think he will be able to get players that are really good. The problem with Matt Rule, of course, is keep in mind uh, that Matt Rule, of course, uh, is just got a $40 million buyout from, uh, from the Carolina Panthers. So I do not expect uh, Matt Rule to have interest in a college job, at least not this year. And finally, I'll give you one last name. Well, I'll give you two more last names. One, Jamie Chadwell, Coastal Carolina is really good. Now, the knock on him is he's never coached at the Power 5 level. He went from a D2 to the FCS to now the Sun Belt at Coastal Carolina. But that guy's won every single place he's gone. 11-1, and 11-2, 7-1 this year. And while I know I just said, Brian Harson, you don't want to bring in a guy that's never coached in the SEC. This guy's never coached in the SEC, but he's at least familiar with the area. Brian Harson was coming from the Pacific Northwest, Boise State. Um, this guy, this guy is coming from, you know, the, the South Carolina. He's co- he's coached and recruited in the SEC area for years. And so to me, I think it makes sense. I don't think he's your first call. I don't think he's your second or third call, but. I do think you have to at least consider calling him. And then finally, I'll just throw out a little bit of a wild card. One thing with coaches, they love working for guys they know, and they don't love working for guys or girls that they do not know. And so I bring it up 
Can you get Mike Leach out of his contract at Mississippi State? I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying Mike Leach would want to leave. I'm not saying John Cohen would be interested. But John Cohen, the new Auburn AD, is the guy who brought Mike Leach to the SEC. Well, now he's leaving. As I said, Mississippi State is behind on NIL. I hate to say it, Mississippi State fans, but it does feel like there's a ceiling on what your program could be capable of. And so now, to me, it feels like if you're desperate, give Mike Leach a call. Worst he can say is no, but you have a relationship with him. And keep in mind, Mike Leach now, if he stays behind at Mississippi State, if he has the opportunity to go to Auburn, he's got to go work and coach under a coach, under a person that did not hire him. I am just telling you, as somebody who's covered college sports forever, I'm just telling you, that is not something most college football coaches, college basketball coaches are excited about, to work under somebody they are not familiar with. His AD is leaving. I think it's at least worth making a call. He did get an extension last offseason, but it's also interesting side note. Apparently in Mississippi or at Mississippi State, you can't have more than a four-year contract. And so because of it, is there a possibility that you can get him out of that contract? I do not know. By the way, as we get more information on who could potentially or not potentially be or not be a candidate, we'll keep you updated. But I do think those are my candidates right now. Again, I think Dion Lane and Hugh Freeze are the obvious top three, and we'll continue the conversation from there. I just want to do, I do want to take a quick break. I do want to come back. And we still got a lot to talk about on a busy Monday in sports. It's a Tuesday episode of the pod. Going to take a quick break. Be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. So here's the deal. I've told you about Betfred, but I'm going to keep telling you about them. Love working with them. Started in 1967 in the UK. Over 1,600 shops in the UK. They have come to the United States and made a major splash. Presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, of the Colorado Rockies, of the Denver Broncos. Oh, by the way, if you're watching the World Series, Mattress Mac, he's got a lot of money on the line. Some of it is with Betfred Sportsbook. And Betfred, if you're a Betfred guy and girl like me, you're rooting for anybody but the Astros. With that said, what I love about Betfred, they do more for their customers than anybody, okay? So Betfred does it all. 
They have tailgates outside of Broncos games. We sent a few listeners to the Aaron Torres pod there a few weeks ago. We ha- They have the Betfred suite at Cincinnati Bengals games. They have first pitch at Colorado Rockies games for Betfred betters. You name it, Betfred takes care of their customers in a way that nobody else does. And here is what they are going to do for you right now. As I've told you before, this weekend, college football, it's a big one. Georgia, Tennessee. LSU, Alabama, and Betfred is giving you a special offer as a listener of the Aaron Torres pod. Bet 50 on any college football game this weekend in week 10 or week 9 of the NFL. Bet 50, you get 250 in free bets courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook. You like Georgia, take Georgia. You like Tennessee, take Tennessee. Bet 50, get 250 courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook. Obviously, later this week, we will have our Betfred boost courtesy of your boy AT, but nobody does more for their customers Love working with Betfred, uh, and you right now can bet 50, get 250 on any game this weekend. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to switch gears and talk about a topic that was really big in college football that I really didn't address on Monday's Aaron Tour Sports Podcast. And that was the wild brawl in the tunnel at Michigan Stadium, the big house between Michigan and Michigan State. Uh, By now, everybody's kind of seen the videos. Michigan State players attacking Michigan players, swinging helmets at them, using helmets as weapons. And on Monday's show, I kind of thought, okay, what is there really to talk about about this? like, Like, what is there really to say about this that isn't obvious? Hey, don't use a helmet as a weapon feels like a pretty good uh, life lesson to live by, and you really don't need Torres to tell you. But I had a few people reach out to me privately and say, Torres, you got to talk about this, man. This is a huge story. We did get some very serious developments on Monday as it pertains to this story. And so, yes, it does feel like a good time to discuss this. It feels like a good time to talk about it and talk about what is going to happen next, as this appears to be a very serious legal issue. And I think the Michigan State football program is very much at a crossroads. By now, You've obviously all seen the video, and I'll just give the quick 30-second kind of rundown of what happened. But after the game, Michigan, Michigan State, um, you know, there was multiple different videos that have popped up. And actually, Jim Harbaugh alluded to the fact that there may be even more that the public have not seen of, again, Michigan State players attacking Michigan players in the tunnel, okay? Um, uh, Six, seven, eight players to one. I think Jim Harbaugh said in his post-game press conference, 10 players attacking one using helmets as weapons. And so just in the bigger picture, before we get to the update on Monday, just a few thoughts. One, I love college football. I love everything it's about. I think rivalries make college football what it is. I hope you all understand, though, that this is much more bigger than a rivalry. This is just not bad blood between two schools that we don't that don't like each other. This is something significantly worse, significantly more serious, and significantly unacceptable. It is not acceptable under any circumstance in any world to use a helmet as a weapon. And it's obviously not 
acceptable under any circumstance to have 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, whatever it is, number of guys teaming up on one. That's not cool. It's not okay. It's not a rivalry. It's not just college kids being college kids. It's not just a rivalry in college football. It is actually criminal behavior, which we're going to get into in a second. The second thing that comes to mind, and I saw a little bit of this on Saturday into Sunday and Sunday into Monday. Can we stop with the excuse of, well, this only happened because there's only one tunnel at the big house. And for people who don't know the configuration of the big house, there is one tunnel. Both teams come in. Both teams come out in the same spot. Uh, There was actually a little bit of a dust up between Penn State and Michigan about two weeks ago. But if you're using that as an excuse, I hate to say it, you're a freaking idiot. There's, There's no other way. There's no nice way for me to say that. If you think that this behavior is somehow excusable, Because there is only one tunnel at Michigan Stadium, you're a freaking idiot. I'm sorry, that's the bottom line. They have been playing Michigan games at the big house for decades, if not close to a century at this point. And correct me if I'm wrong, Michigan fans, I believe this is the first time that any opposing player has ever tried to use his helmet as a weapon in a post-game scuffle in the in the Michigan, uh, the tunnels inside the big house. So don't tell me it's about having one tunnel. Don't tell me it's about a rivalry. It is unacceptable. And I think we need to move forward because this is very much now. It is beyond just a rivalry thing. It is beyond just something that is. it, it was an ugly incident. And it is now a criminal behavior. All the uh, you know participating parties talked about it after the game. Jim Harbaugh talked about it after the game. Ward Manuel, the AD at Michigan, talked about it after the game. The Big Ten offices talked about it after the game. And we got some updates as to what could happen next on Monday when uh, Jim Harbaugh spoke out again. And then we got a very interesting comment from a very interesting person. First of all, here is what Jim Harbaugh had to say about the incident. He said, point blank, I can't imagine that this will not result in criminal charges. The videos are bad and it's clear what transpired. It seems very, very, very open and shut. All right. So I don't sit here and claim to be a legal expert. Okay. But what I would say is this is one where Jim Harbaugh doesn't have to be a legal expert either. You don't at sitting at home don't have to be a legal expert. This is criminal behavior. This is using your helmet as a weapon. I said this at the time. We didn't talk about it on the podcast, but I know I talked about it on radio when the Miles Garrett situation happened on Thursday night football between the Browns and the Steelers. Again, this is not just guys being out of control. This is not just a rivalry. This is actual criminal behavior. Jim Harbaugh alluded to it. And you know how I know it is criminal behavior. And this is the update that you're going to have to follow here going forward. Mel Mel Tucker has suspended four players for the incident. But this is the part that you need to follow up on and pay attention to. One of Michigan's players hired Tom Mars as his legal representation on Monday. Okay, so some of you are sitting there saying, who is Tom Mars? Others of you are sitting there saying, hmm, that name sounds familiar. And even more of you are probably sitting there saying, oh, I know exactly who that is. Those Michigan State players are in big trouble. So for people who don't know, Tom Mars, I will just tell you point blank end of story, is one of the most feared legal people in the entire sports world, specifically in the college sports world. I don't know exactly when he first came on to kind of the scene, but what I can tell you, ironically, we were just talking about the Auburn job. This was the guy that uncovered Hugh Free, the whole situation with Ole Miss and Hugh Freeze that led to his firing. You can look up the details if you don't remember why Hugh Freeze was fired. 
but it was Tom Mars as a legal representative for um, Houston Nut, I believe, that found out that found the 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 uh, Hugh Freeze texts and phone calls, etc. But then, more importantly, when Hugh Freeze was fired and Shea Patterson wanted to transfer, ironically, to Michigan, remember this was about four or five years ago. What ended up happening? The NCAA told Shea Patterson, you could transfer, but you got to sit out. And Shea Patterson hired Tom Mars, and Tom Mars basically fought the NCAA tooth and nail and said, this is unconstitutional. You can't stop him from playing, and we are going to sue the you-know-what out of you if you do not let him play. And so what ended up happening? Michigan gets Shea Patterson. Michigan plays Shea Patterson. There were some other players that left Ole Miss at the time that had Tom Mars as a representation. They got eligible right away. And basically, the one-time transfer rule that basically allows anybody to transfer at any time is basically thanks to Tom Mars. Because Tom Mars basically just looked the NCA in the eye and said, anytime that you try to stop anybody from playing that wants to transfer, you're going to have to deal with me. Also worth noting, when the Big Ten tried to shut down football in 2020, it was Tom Mars who was hired by, I believe, the parents and the, the student-athletes to sue the Big Ten. It's easy to forget that now. Players and parents sued the Big Ten to get on the football field during COVID of 2020. So this guy is a bulldog, relentless, feared guy in college sports. And he was hired on Monday by one of the Michigan players that was attacked, German Green. He hired Tom Mars. And here is what Tom Mars had to say in a statement about the entire situation. He said, when college football players brutally attack a member of the opposing team with their helmets, resulting in the player suffering a concussion and other injuries, an apology won't suffice. There has to be severe consequences for this kind of misconduct. Not only does German Green deserve to be compensated for his injuries, severe consequences in this case will deter others who might think they can get away with brutally beating an opposing player and only getting a slap on the wrist. I've got news. For the MSU players who did this to German, they are going to feel the full wrath of the law. Woo! That is a grown man coming into this situation and saying, in his own words, an apology isn't good enough. And I think most of you kind of tend to know where I stand on most of this stuff. I hate in any situation, in any walk of life, athletics, real life, um, your children, people that I know, people that you know, I hate to see anyone's life be altered or ruined with a split second momentary decision. I hate that. I don't like that. But at the same time, this is so beyond the scale of acceptability. There is no world where anyone thinks it is an okay thing to take off your helmet and swing it at somebody. And because of that, I do think what Tom Mars said is accurate. I do think legal matters need to be taken in, into account here. I don't wish ill will upon any of the Michigan State players involved, but other football players have to know this is not okay. This is not acceptable, and I hate to say it, but these players, as I said, Michigan State, four players have already been suspended. I don't think they will be the last, and I think they need to know, and I think other players need to know in the future. This is not acceptable. And you can get in real trouble for doing stuff like this. Lastly, what I would say, and I know the football is secondary to everything. 
I do think this is kind of a crossroads moment for Michigan State, okay? And I'm a Mel Tucker guy. I, I thought, you know, give him the extension. He he earned that extension last year, $90 million plus dollars, et cetera. I don't really care. I think he deserved it. It's not my money anyway. But what I would say, I do think this is a crossroads moment for the program. Everything goes right last year. You make the, whatever it was, the Fiesta Bowl. You beat Pitt. It's a great moment in time. And it's basically all been downhill from there. But why I bring it up is because something, you know, I saw Dan Wetzel from Yahoo actually wrote this. I thought it was an interesting thing. Something is clearly not right on the field. Something is clearly not right culturally. And this is something that speaks to that in some ways at Michigan State, isn't it? Because what Dan Wetzel brought up, I thought it was a great point, was there was it wasn't just that there was some guys swinging helmets at Michigan players. It was the fact that in all the videos that we've seen, and maybe there's others that we haven't, there wasn't, there didn't appear to be a single Michigan State player that tried to jump in the middle, that tried to stop it, that tried to pull their teammates back, that tried to say, guys, what are you doing? Forget our season. Forget you're putting your, your future as a student athlete, as a, what are you doing? Stop it. Come back. Let's go to the locker room. Let's get on the bus. Let's go home. Ridiculous. And so you talk about a situation in Michigan State. They're three and five. They're really struggling. They're not playing very well. And it's clear they have a culture issue on the field. And it looks increasingly like they have a culture issue off the field because any program can have one, two, three players make a dumb decision at the worst possible time. But as Dan Wetzel pointed out, I thought it was a good point. The fact that nobody, that nobody stepped in to try to stop this, it's a terrible look and probably speaks more about Michigan State and the current state of their program than their actual record. Either way, I'm glad you guys and girls pushed me to talk about this. I think it's an important topic. I'm glad we discussed. And I'll tell you what, we will keep an eye on this going forward. But I am telling you, man, when you talk about a huge story that is going to have huge ramifications, when Tom Mars gets involved, I'm just telling you, it's about to get really ugly for those Michigan State football players. All right, so what I'm going to do, take a quick break, come back, and I do want to wrap the show. Fun show so far, serious show in this past topic. Going to wrap with a light little college hoops. Okay, so college hoops, uh, we are about a week away from the start of the season. We had a couple exhibitions this weekend, some very interesting results that I want to discuss. Louisville took a loss. Arkansas got smoked by Texas. Gonzaga lost to Tennessee. Kentucky injury. We're going to discuss it all. That's going to be next. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, 
I want to welcome back the sponsor of our Aaron Torres pod, NFL Pick'em Challenge, Bracket Fanatics, and BracketFanatics.com. Listen, I've worked with Bracket Fanatics for years, multiple NCAA tournaments, and we started the Aaron Torres pod, NFL Pick'em Challenge. This is such an awesome deal for you guys and girls. This is all you got to do. Go to BracketFanatics.com. Join Bracket. The Bracket name is Torres. Do that, and here is what you can get. We have weekly $100 winners, and we have a season-long $1,000 cash prize. Free to enter, no sign-up, no this, no that. Enter every week, $100 weekly winner, $1,000 season-long cash prize. That is what Bracket Fanatics does for you. That is what Bracket Fanatics is doing for Aaron Torres and the Aaron Torres pod this, this football season. Again, week nine is coming up. We will announce our week eight winner later this week. But if you have not signed up, BracketFanatics.com. Join Bracket. The Bracket name is Torres. Uh, and if you've already signed up, go ahead and make those week nine picks. We are giving out money. We are going to announce our week eight winner later this week. Thank you to Bracket Fanatics, BracketFanatics.com. Again, BracketFanatics.com. Join Bracket. Bracket name Torres. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to wrap with a little bit of college hoops. I should note, by the way, as I told you to lead the show, we do have a new college hoop show called the College Hoops Daily with Zach Crowley. He's a writer for Aaron Torres Sports. I have joined him. New episode dropped on Monday or Tuesday morning. Go ahead, check that out. Support that show, College Hoops Daily. But this feels like a good time to not only promote the other show on our network, but to actually talk a little bit of college hoops. Because it sounds crazy, but we are a week away from the start of the college basketball season. Sounds crazy, I know. But next Monday, there are real college basketball games that count in the record books. And so in the lead up to the season, a lot of these teams have exhibitions. Many of them are open to the public. Some of them are even televised. And so I do want to talk about some results from the weekend as it pertains to college hoops. Now, it is important to note one thing before we get into them. Take all of these results with a grain of salt, because what you got to understand, and I actually think I saw Jeff Goodman say this the other day, you know, whenever these exhibition games happen, everybody's trying to accomplish something a little bit different in these exhibitions, right? Some schools uh, are are playing some younger players. Some schools are working on rotation. Some schools are resting key players and some schools treat it like it's an elite eight game to go to the final four. So it's hard to know exactly everything that goes into all these games. But I do think there were a few results that are worth noting from over the weekend. The first one, it is not good. It comes from the KFC Yum Center in Louisville. The Louisville Cardinals in year one under Kenny Payne, their public debut against another opponent, they lost to a D2 school called Lenore Ryan. Okay. And by the way, Lenore Ryan wasn't even good last year. And what I would say is, yes, Exert patience. It's an exhibition game. It doesn't count. It doesn't mean anything. But it is not a good sign at all that Louisville lost to a D2 team. And I think it speaks to that fact that it's going to be a really long year for Louisville. And what I would say is, look, I know Louisville fans think I hate them because I wrote the Kentucky book a million years ago. But the bottom line is this, is that, um, you know, I I like Kenny Payne. I don't think he inherited an easy situation. It's easy to forget. Louisville was terrible last year. Like, they weren't just bad. They were terrible. They finished 14 and 19, second to last place in the ACC. By the way, remember the ACC was bad last year. Like the ACC was as bad as I have ever seen it. Um, Chris Mack quit in the middle of the year, took his buyout money and bounced. 
And it was a really bad situation that Kenny Payne walked into. What I would also say about Louisville, though, is that this is the transfer portal era, and there isn't excuses for having a roster as bad as Louisville has. Now, I know Kenny Payne has said that there's been some negative recruiting, some stuff that he wasn't expecting from people he was not expecting it from. But it doesn't change the fact that they really had only one real impact transfer, a kid named Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, who's basically a developmental player from Tennessee, a couple nice freshmen added, you know, top 50, top 60 recruits, but not like one-and-done difference makers. And so you add that in with what was one of the worst rosters in college basketball, and all that says to me, this year one under Kenny Payne is going to be really bad. I think he's a good coach. I think he'll eventually get players. I think they will develop. But you have a roster with very few players that even contributed last year. Remember, Louisville finished second to last place in the ACC. They lost three out of their top four scores off of that team. And now you bring in one sort of impact transfer who should be a role player, who should be like your fifth most important starter, your seventh most important player on your team in Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, a couple of freshmen. This looks to me like it is going to be a long year. And I think next offseason, Kenny Payne, he is going to have to hit the ground running and really load up in the portal because this program is nowhere near where it needs to be. And again, in the portal world, there's no excuse, right? In this world that we live in, Look at in football, what Lincoln Riley did in one offseason, what Brian Kelly did in one offseason in basketball. You know, Eric Musselman made a sweet six or an elite eight in year two. Juwan Howard made an elite eight in year two. Mick Cronin made a final four in year two. And so all these situations are different. But the point I'm trying to make, I think it's going to be a long season for Louisville. This isn't an anti-Louisville thing. You lose to a D2 team in your exhibition opener. It's really bad, and I don't think it gets better. A couple other results. You know, one... Gonzaga and Tennessee played a charity exhibition. If you listen to this podcast, the guy who runs that exhibition was actually on this show last week, talked a lot about it. Gonzaga, some people think is the number one team in the country. Tennessee smacked that behind. And by the way, Tennessee didn't only win. Tennessee won without maybe their most important player, Josiah Jordan James. And so when I see this result, two things immediately come to mind. You don't want to overreact, but to be clear, Gonzaga, as best I can tell, they played all their key players. This was not, uh, we're going to fly across country and sit our starters and get other guys reps against good teams. This was, they had their dudes and Tennessee had most of their dudes and Tennessee just beat them. And one thing about Tennessee, I will say, great time to be a Tennessee ball, by the way. Baseball team was awesome last year. Football team's awesome this year. I think this basketball team's going to be really good. If you remember late last year, Going into the NCAA tournament, they were maybe the hottest team in college basketball. Now they felt, you know, they lost in the second round of Michigan and it was a disappointing end, but this was a team that ran through the SEC tournament. They were great. The final month of the season, beat Kentucky at home, beat Arkansas at home, go to the SEC tournament, beat Kentucky, beat Texas A&M. They're the SEC champions. Many people thought they were a final four threat. It did not work out, but they bring back four starters off that team. Santiago Vescovi, who's been around forever, really good. Josiah Jordan-James, who didn't even play. Euros, the big man down low, really like his game. Zakai Ziegler at point guard. And you look at kind of the combination of older players, five-star freshman Julian Phillips. There was, by the way, a transfer named Tyree Key, who had 26 points on Saturday or Friday night. This looks like a team that, to me, is going to compete atop the SEC in all offseason. And by the way, I'm one of the people that pushed this narrative, okay? So you can blame Torres if you want. I did think it was going to be a two-horse race between Kentucky and Arkansas, but I have always said Tennessee does return a lot. 
Rick Barnes, I understand he has his faults. I understand come NCAA tournament time, his team often don't live up to expectations. But in the regular season, over the course of a five-month season, Rick Barnes usually has his guys ready to go. Four starters back, impact five-star freshman. Apparently, we have an impact transfer in Tyree Key, 26 points. That Tennessee team looks really, really, really good. Would not shock me to see them win a second SEC regular season title under Rick Barnes. Really quickly, from the Gonzaga perspective, I will say, again, we don't want to make too much of it. This isn't, if you're a Gonzaga fan, this isn't like an anti, oh my God, Gonzaga stinks, they're terrible, they're always overrated. But I will say, I had some questions about Gonzaga coming into this season. I did not understand why other people in my space argued that they are the number one team in college basketball. I have never seen that. I never understood it. And while it's only an exhibition, I think this kind of proves really good team. I don't think they're a cut above everybody else. Listen, Drew Timmy's really good. All-American, NIL king, making a ton of money, came back to play college basketball. I will forever be grateful. By the way, statistically, he could go down as one of the greatest college basketball players of all time by the end of this year. In theory, I guess he has another year as well because of the COVID year. Don't think he'll take it. But outside of Drew Timmy, there are a fair amount of questions. Specifically in the backcourt, Nolan Hickman, Hunter Salas, two true sophomores, Really good players, but you go from in previous years, Jalen Suggs, lottery pick, Andrew Nemhard, late first round, early second round pick, to two inexperienced freshmen, or two inexperienced now sophomores, I think it's going to be a process, and it's going to be a process with a really tough out-of-conference schedule. They play Michigan State on that aircraft carrier. They play Texas at Texas. They play Kentucky in Spokane. They play in the PK-80 where they could potentially face Duke. Really good team, nice team. I think they're a top 10 team. Have never really understood the number one in the country type ranking. Another result, and this is a big one. Saturday, Moody Moody Arena, the new Texas arena. The Texas Longhorns played the Arkansas Razorbacks. This was a game that was supposed to be on Longhorn Network. Texas decided to pull it off TV for reasons that Arkansas still does not know. It may have been a good thing because Arkansas got smacked. Texas won this game by 30. They won it by 30. So let's talk about it. And let's start with Arkansas. And what I would say is this. I know everyone say, Torres, you're defending Arkansas. You never say anything bad about them. Listen, you lose by 30, it's bad. What I would also say is, and I've said it on this podcast in my college hoop stuff. If you listen to Eric Musselman all offseason, He has said, this is the youngest team I've ever had. It's going to take time. And we turn the ball over way too much. Well, what happened? They had 24 turnovers on Saturday. By the way, I should mention, this was a three-point game with about two minutes to go in the first half. So it wasn't from start to finish just completely one-sided. From my understanding, when it got away from Arkansas, it really got away from Arkansas. But you go back. They had a summer tour in Europe, played four games. They averaged 23 turnovers per game in that summer tour. You're not beating teams in the SEC if you don't take care of the ball. So Eric Musselman all offseason has said, this is going to be a process. Youngest team I've ever had. Let's be blunt. Their starting backcourt could be all freshmen, Nick Smith and Anthony Black. I I get that they're McDonald's All-Americans and future lottery picks. But in college, it's going to be a process. 
Texas has grown men. Texas has fifth and six-year seniors, 22, 23, 24 years old. And so you think Texas is just going to get punked by a bunch of 18-year-olds because they're on mock draft boards? No, I say it all the time. Those Texas guys that are 25 years old, 24 years old, they want to be in the NBA too. And they want to prove to the NBA guys, hey, you don't want this 18-year-old kid. You want me. So am I worried about Arkansas? No. If this was January 8th, and this happened instead of November 1st, and this happened in the last week of October, then I'd be worried, but I'm not worried yet. By the way, Arkansas plays in the Maui Invitational early. Could play Creighton in the second round. We're going to find out early how good this Arkansas team is. I think they're good. I think they'll be fine. Musselman has a track record. Last three years at Arkansas, last two specifically, slow starts, ends with NCAA tournament runs to the Elite Eight. Not going to worry just yet, but it is not pretty when you lose by 30. I'd also say maybe we need to give Texas a little bit of credit. I'll say this for Texas. I was not big on Texas, but they return a bunch of players off last year's team that made the NCAA tournament, that made the NCAA tournament and won a game in the NCAA tournament. They brought back four impact players, Dylan Disu, Christian Bishop in the front court, Marcus Carr, Timmy Allen in the backcourt. Timmy Allen's kind of a wing. I don't know if he's more backcourt or frontcourt, but whatever. That brought back a bunch of grown men from that team. They added Tyrese Hunter, One of the best transfers in the portal was the Big 12 freshman of the year at Iowa State last year. Add two McDonald's All-Americans in Arterio Morris and Dylan Mitchell. Arterio Morris, I didn't even know he was eligible to play. He had some legal issues over the summer. He balled out on Saturday. So maybe we need to give Texas a little bit of credit. Maybe they're a little bit better than we thought. Chris Beard has been selling all offseason that he liked this team. He thought they were a lot further along than they have been. Um... And so maybe they're just better than we thought they were. One last note on Texas, by the way. They have a transfer named Sir Jabari Rice. He came from New Mexico State. Remember, New Mexico State beat my UConn Huskies in the NCAA tournament. And Chris Beard all offseason has been adamant. This was the one guy in the portal we had to have. Well, he played really well against Arkansas. Transfer from New Mexico State, name to keep an eye on. One other result. Well, two other results. One, Kentucky beat Missouri Western, whatever. My only thought on that, Severe Wheeler, the point guard, got hurt. And I like Kentucky. I like everything I saw from them in the Bahamas. I love Oscar Shibway. I love Jacob Toppin. If you can't keep Severe Wheeler healthy, you're not winning when it matters. I don't know what you have to do. This was a guy that two, three times last year went down with injuries. um, But he also led the SEC in assists. I'm going to try not to overreact, but I also have to be realistic and call a spade a spade here. Kentucky, you got to keep him healthy. I don't know how. I don't know why he keeps getting banged up, but he left this exhibition game. You need to keep him healthy. That's my only Kentucky takeaway. If Severe Wheeler plays, you're good enough to win a national championship. If you're not, I know Cason Wallace, the McDonald's All-American, ball will be in his hands. You'll be in good position. He ain't. It's going to be tough to win with a freshman point guard if Severe Wheeler can't play. Keep him healthy. I don't know how and I don't know why, but you got to keep him healthy. Finally. One last note. I want you to keep an eye on this team. If you're watching on YouTube, keep an eye. The TCU Horn Frogs beat somebody by 70 on Saturday, on Sunday night. 70 points. If you remember TCU, NCAA tournament last year, Arizona was a number one seed. Many thought they were the team that was going to win the national championship. TCU took them down the wire and probably should have beaten them. Well, TCU literally brings back everybody. They played a closed-door exhibition against Alabama, and I think Alabama's good. 
it got so bad that Alabama had to literally have a players-only meeting after playing TCU. I don't know how bad it was, but it was apparently pretty bad. TCU, grown men, everybody back, off an NCAA tournament team. And I'll tell you, I saw somebody over the summer that's affiliated with TCU. And what he told me, I'm just telling you, just take this for what it's worth, okay? This is what he told me. He said, AT, he said, look, here's the deal. He said, most of the time in the summer, you get new players, you're implementing your offense, you're implementing your defense, you're doing all the things that you have to do in the summer. He goes, all our guys know everything. We bring back everybody. We have one new, We have they have one transfer. People don't know the roster. One transfer, one freshman, that's it. Everybody else is back off a team that should have gone to the Sweet 16 and was an eight seed in the NCAA tournament. And he goes, Aaron, we can't even run scrimmages because these guys want to kill each other in a good way. He's like, they're all veterans. They know what we have to do. They know what how to take care of business. He's like, we just need to get them to games without killing each other because these guys are dogs. And so I'm just telling you, watch out for TCU. Now, I don't know. The schedule isn't very tough. Now, you get to Big 12, you're going to take some losses. You get to the Big 12, you're going to take some losses. I actually talked to Jamie Dixon a little bit this summer. He's not the one that told me that, by the way. Just let's clarify that. He is not the one that told me that. But Jamie Dixon said, look, the Big 12 is tough. He goes, I liked my team last year, but you're just going to take losses in the Big 12. So I don't know if they're the best team in the Big 12, the third best team in the Big 12, whatever. What I would say is don't be surprised if you look up and it's like December 15th, and TCU's like 11-0 and and number two in the country. I'm just telling you, this is a team to watch out. They won by 70, 70 points on Sunday in a win. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Aerator Sports Podcast. How about that for a show? What a show we just had. What a show. A lot on a Monday into Tuesday. If you're not subscribed to the Aerator Pod, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. If you guys could, guys and girls could, give me a quick five stars. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. couple things. Make sure to subscribe to the College Hoops Daily Podcast. Zach Kroll, great young writer. Is hosting that. I'll be joining him regularly. Also, thank you to our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook, BracketFanatics.com. If you have not made your week nine picks in, in the NFL, it's not too late. As a matter of fact, sign up now, BracketFanatics.com, join Bracket. That is all for today's show. What a Monday show. Shout out to Torncray. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F-head. Unblock me, bro. I'll be back on Wednesday. New episode of the Aaron Torres Pod with a surprise guest. Stay tuned. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.